All right, everyone, let's take out our Bibles together. If you will, take out a copy of Scripture, either the one you brought, or you can use the one on the pew in front of you. We're going to be going to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll cover verses 26 and 27 today. Now, I've got to clear something up right at the beginning here. Um, it is pure coincidence that this sermon on anger falls on Mother's Day. I mean, pure coincidence. I am, this is not a jab at moms. There, there is no kind of repressed emotion from past experiences that I'm trying to vent here this morning. Pure coincidence. We, we often say it's, uh, it's amazing when you preach straight through books of the Bible, how the Lord knows what his people need and when they need it so much better than any of the rest of us do. And so that's what we're doing. We're trusting that the Lord knows what we need when we need it. And so it just so happens today on Mother's Day, we're talking about anger. I will say this. Uh, the other day, I was talking to Jennifer and I said, hey, I'm preaching on anger this Sunday. Do you have any advice? And she said, yeah, don't make me angry. <laughs> I was like, okay. I thought that was perfect. Um, now, moms, moms, I, I know you probably don't ever get angry, but the rest of us really need to hear from the Lord about this, okay? We really need to hear from the Lord about this important topic. Remember Jesus who said, you will know the truth and the truth will what? The truth will set you free. And so I'm praying this morning that the truth of God's word about anger will set many of us free who live in bondage to this in a number of times in our lives. That the truth of God's word will set us free from anger. Now remember in this section that we're in in Ephesians right here, we're learning the practicalities of what Paul told us to do in verses 22 and 24. To put off the old self and to put on the new self. To put off your old life of ungodliness and put on a new life in Christ. And so we're learning the practical ways that we can do that. Last week we talked about lying and falsehood and telling the truth. This week we're talking about anger. Anger. One thing that characterizes people whose hearts have not been changed by the Lord is anger. They do not have the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so let's read our text today. It's only two verses, verses 26 and 27, Ephesians chapter 4. This is God's word through the Apostle Paul. Paul writes, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I want to take a few phrases from our text today and kind of tease them out. Number one comes right there at the beginning. Be angry and do not sin. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Now what he's not saying, I don't want you to get the wrong impression here. He's not commanding you to be angry. You could take that that way, especially in the ESV translation. He's not saying, get angry. Now, we'll, we'll learn here in just a little while, there are times where Christians might need to be more angry than they are. But Paul is not saying here, be angry, commandment. That is not what he's saying. 
He's saying more like what the NIV translation says, which helps us here. The NIV says, in your anger, do not sin. That's the gist of it. Okay, when you get angry, when anger comes upon you, when you find yourself angry, do not sin in your anger. Now, one of the implications of this is you can be angry and not be sinning. That's an implication here, right? There is a way to be angry and to not sin. And the, the, the prime example of this that helps us out is Jesus. Jesus got angry on a number of occasions. For example, in Mark chapter 3, when he was healing the man with the withered hand in the synagogue. You remember the story? Man's got a withered hand. Jesus comes into the synagogue. It was a Sabbath day. And the synagogue rulers are watching Jesus closely because they're wondering whether or not he's going to heal on the Sabbath, which was against their rules, against their man-made laws. And and they're, they're watching him so that it says they might accuse him. And Jesus knows what they're doing. He knows what they're thinking in their hearts. And then it says in Mark 3, 5, Jesus looked around at them with anger. With anger. He heals that man with the withered hand. He heals his hand in the midst of his own anger about how they cared more about the legalistic obedience to their own man-made rules than that man. They cared more about their rules than him and his withered hand. Or in Mark ten fourteen, where parents were bringing their children to Jesus just so Jesus could touch them. And the disciples rebuked the parents. The disciples said, no, 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 don't do this. Leave him alone. And Jesus, it says, in Mark ten fourteen looked at his disciples and with indignation toward them said, let the children come to me. We always remember that phrase, let the children come to me. Did you know Jesus said that in anger toward his disciples? He was angry when he said that. You guys let those children come to me. Or who could forget Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple? He drove out the people And the animals with a whip that he had sat down and made on the spot. His anger was coming out in that he made a whip. And then he flips over tables. Jesus got angry. And we know that Jesus was sinless, right? Jesus never sinned. His whole time that he lived on this earth never sinned. Therefore, there is a kind of anger that is not sinful. You can be angry and not sin. However, we must say this anger of Jesus's is much different than the anger that you and I typically experience. Much different. Jesus was angry because God was being dishonored. Jesus was angry for the honor of God's name and God's laws. When we get angry, It's usually because we feel like we have been dishonored. We are angered for our own names, for our own laws. It's a selfish, prideful anger. This is why James says in James chapter 1 verse 19, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of man. Of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Jesus had a different kind of anger than James is talking about. James says the anger of man, 
our anger, our selfish, prideful anger at us being wronged, at someone daring to interfere with our schedule, our time, our comfort, at someone going against what we thought should have happened, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Not all anger is sin. Not all anger is sin. Sometimes as Christians, we should be angry, right? Sometimes as Christians, we should be angry. When God's name is blasphemed, we should not be okay with it. We should not be okay with that. When people are saying that the right to kill babies in the womb is a common good or is health care, that should upset us. But as this text warns us, be careful that even your righteous anger does not turn into sinful anger, because that can happen. Even if we are initially angered and not in sin, be careful. Anger is so tricky. Anger gives the devil, it says, an opportunity. Be careful that your anger, even righteous anger, does not become sinful anger, because it can oh so quickly. Instead of being angry for the honor of God, all of a sudden you are angry for the honor of your political party. Instead of being angry that God has been blasphemed, you become angry that someone dared speak against you. Instead of hating sin, you begin to hate sinners themselves. Even righteous anger can oh so quickly become sinful anger, that anger that we talked about, the anger of man. And so you can be angry and not sin. You can. In your anger, do not sin. But remember, remember, When you look at all the ways the Bible talks about anger, if you were to do a topical study on anger in the Bible, what you would find is an overwhelming majority of the references to it, the Bible is warning us against it. An overwhelming majority of references to anger is where God is warning us against anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so be angry and do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. But as far as we are sinners, let us try to avoid anger as much as possible, unless we are sure that we are getting angry for the glory of God's name, for the honor of God's name. Now I want to show you the the second phrase here in verse 26. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let's spend a little bit of time on that. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, does this mean, as many people say, that you should never go to bed angry? Is that what this means? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm not so convinced. I'm not so convinced that that's what this means. A lot of people say that. Don't ever go to bed angry. says that in the Bible. This is where they get that idea. But I am not convinced that that's what this means. It might mean that, but I'm not convinced What seems more likely to me is that Paul is using the sun going down as a figure of speech, an idiom to say to us, do not nurse your anger. Do not make peace with it. Do not let it settle in and remain. I think that's what Paul is saying to us this morning. I am convinced that sometimes when you are angry, the very best thing you can do is go to bed. The very best thing you can do is sleep on it because you wake up realizing how foolish it might have been. You wake up with a cool head instead of letting your emotions run wild on you. 
Sometimes I believe the best thing you can do is go to bed and sleep on it. Early in Jennifer and I's marriage, I used to hound her up to all hours of the night because in my legalistic mind, I thought I would be sinning if we went to bed without having our argument fully resolved. And I'm talking all hours of the night. She would look at me and she would be like, can I please just go to sleep? I'm tired. I'm, I'm almost falling asleep here listening to you. And I'd be like, we can't. We can't go to bed. We can't go to bed angry. It says that in the Bible, right? The, the, it was a form of legalism going on there, caring more about myself than caring about her. But sometimes I think the very best thing you can do is to sleep on it and to wake up and to resolve it in the morning. Notice how in our text, Paul does not say, don't let the sun go down while you are angry. Some translations translate it like that. The Greek does not use the word while. There is a word for while that it does not use in this passage. It does not say that. That would make more sense in the don't ever go to bed angry idea. It doesn't say don't go to bed or don't let the sun go down while you are angry. What does it say? He says, do not let the sun go down what? On your anger. It's not talking about the end of a 24-hour day. It's not talking about the end of daylight. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I believe it was Elton John who once sang a song, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Don't let the sun go down on us, our relationship. You know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let your anger remain. Don't nurse it. Don't make peace with it. In fact, We've got evidence that that's kind of what it means from Psalm 4, verse 4. Paul here, I believe, is referencing specifically an Old Testament verse from the Psalms, Psalm 4, verse 4, which starts out exactly like this verse. It says, be angry and do not sin. And then it says, ponder in your hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Sleep on it. In your anger, do not sin. Sometimes you need to sleep on it. I think Paul is referencing that verse specifically here in Ephesians 4.26. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think the desire to get rid of your anger as soon as possible is a good one. I do. I think that would be a biblical thing to desire, to get rid of your anger as soon as possible. The desire to reconcile with someone as soon as possible is a good and biblical desire. Listen to Jesus' words from Matthew 5.23. Jesus says, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. This is fascinating that Jesus says this. Someone is there at an altar ready to give a gift to the Lord. And Jesus says, if you remember right then and there that you are not reconciled to a brother, you leave the gift there in front of the altar, the gift for God, leave it, go do that first, then come back and do this. Right? It's, it's amazing that Jesus puts the priorities like that. It's a good and biblical desire to reconcile with someone else as soon as possible. But what we must not do is say, the Bible says this when the Bible might not say that, right? This verse might mean don't go to bed ang angry, but it might not. And so let's not be so quick to say that's what it means because that's what we've always heard. Let me spend just a moment addressing a tendency that is all too common among Christians today. And it's a tendency 
to play fast and loose with Scripture in our everyday conversations. To just play fast and loose with the Bible in our conversations. To say things like, the Bible says, and then take the liberty to say that the Bible says something that it does not actually say. That we've never checked. We've just always heard it. We don't know the Bible says that, and we just say the Bible says. When God might not have ever said it. We've heard somewhere from someone that the Bible may have said something like that. Or... A lot more common, it's what we want the Bible to say. We want the Bible to have said something like that. And so we just spout it off in conversations. The Bible says because it's what everybody has always said. Friends, it is a serious, serious thing to talk about what God has said. It is a serious thing to talk about what God has said. It is a serious offense to put words into the mouth of God that he has never said. And as Christians, one of the implications of this means we need to be reading our Bibles to see what he has said and to know what he has not said. I realize that this is a very large and dense book. But we as Christians need to have a much higher respect and a much deeper reverence for God's word than we do. Christians who have not read their Bibles to see what God has actually said and what he has not said. Brothers and sisters, if you are not on a track If you are not on a a trend to read the Bible, the entire Bible, get on one. This is God's word. This is what God has said. It is eternally serious. And at the very least, we in our everyday conversations need to be very slow to proclaim this is what the Lord has said. If we don't know that that's what the Lord has said, it is a serious thing. To put words into the mouth of God himself. Okay, end of excursus. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not nurse your anger. Do not let it remain. What happens when you make peace with anger? What happens when you make peace with anger and nurse it and let it remain? What does it become? It becomes bitterness. It becomes bitterness. And the Bible teaches that bitterness leads to hell. Bitterness leads to hell. It's a lot more serious than most of us realize. Bitterness. Listen to Jesus' words from Matthew 6, verse 15. Jesus says, If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do you understand what he's saying? That if we do not forgive others, we will not be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, you can't go to heaven if you're not forgiven. There will not be anyone in heaven who is not forgiven because they will be paying for their own sins. This is eternally serious. 
Remember the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus told. A servant who gets thrown in jail because of a debt to the king. And it's a debt greater than he could ever pay. And he pleads with the king. He pleads with him saying, please let, have mercy on me. And the king says, okay, I'll cancel the entire debt. The entire debt. You could have never paid it. I'll cancel the entire thing. You can go free. What a gift. And it says the servant went out and then found someone who owed him about a day's wages. And began to choke him and said, pay me my money. Pay me what you owe or else. And people see him doing this. People who know he's just been let off a huge debt, they go and tell the king. And the king, in his anger, takes that unmerciful servant and throws him back into prison and says, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. I forgave you everything and you wouldn't forgive him a small, insignificant debt. And then Jesus says, at the end of that parable, so will my father do. To anyone who does not forgive his brother from his heart. Bitterness is a lot more serious than we realize. Because bitterness leads to hell. Some of us need to hear that this morning. That if you do not let go of your anger. If you do not forgive that person who wronged you. You're not going to be in heaven. Notice verse 27 in our text today. It says, give no opportunity to the devil. We don't let the sun go down on our anger because that would be giving an opportunity to the devil. The other translations sometimes say, do not give the devil a foothold. It makes me think back to what God said to Cain after Cain killed Abel. And God says in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is to have you. And the question is, what will you do? Sin is crouching at your door. What will you do? Do not give the devil a foot in the door. We must fight against anger, brothers and sisters. We must fight against it. It's eternally serious. And the way that we do this, the way that we fight against anger, is by abiding in the peace of Jesus Christ. By abiding in the peace of Christ. By remaining close to the Lord. By remaining in God's word. If you place yourself regularly before God, if you place yourself regularly before God's word, it can change your heart. It can melt your heart. It can change us from people of anger to people of peace. God can work peace into our hearts if we remain close to him through his word. As you come to know God in his word, you will come to have peace because you come to understand some things about God that give us peace. You come to understand when you read God's word that God is in control. He's on the throne. No one else is in control but God. There's no political party in control. There's no ruler or military or president in control. God is in control. God sits on his throne. I'm not even in control. God is in control. When you come to know God through his word, you realize that all creation bows to his will. All creation. His purposes cannot be thwarted. When he wants to do something, he does it. 
Do you remember what it was like before the pandemic? Do you, do you even remember that? It's so hard for us to get our, our heads wrapped around what it was like. But we had this collective idea as a society that we were so advanced and we were so strong and powerful that about nothing could bring us down and how easy it was for the Lord to bring us to our knees. It was not hard for him at all. And he did it. And we had to face up to the reality that we're not as in control as we thought. When you come to read God's word, you come to realize God is never worried. God is never rushed. God is never confused. God is never forced into anything. God is never frustrated. This is what gives us peace. When you come to read that same word, you you come to realize if you are in Christ, this God is on your side. That God is on my side. That God is working for me. That God says he will never leave me or forsake me. And that God, it says, will right all wrongs in the end. God will right every wrong in the end. When someone makes me angry... My anger usually comes from a place that I need them to get what they deserve because of the way that they have wronged me. They wronged me, and so they need to get theirs. And who's going to make them get theirs if I don't? If I don't make sure they get what they deserve, who will? There is one who will. It's the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. There is such a peace. There is such a peace when, and this is just one small example, there's such a peace when someone cuts you off on the road and you want to get back at them. There is such a peace to know they're going to have to stand before the Lord for what they did right there. No matter what it is, people are going to have to stand before the Lord. You are going to have to stand before the Lord for everything you have done. And either you will pay for that sin in all eternity or you will get into heaven knowing what a price Jesus paid for that sin. The same is true for all who have wronged you. There's a freedom, a peace that comes in knowing God. Listen to Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If you want peace, keep your mind on the Lord. Put your mind on God. Renew your mind by remaining in God's word, remaining close to the Lord through being close to his word. And if your mind is stayed on God and you trust in God, he will keep you in perfect peace. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Ultimately, I want to leave you with this. We saw how Jesus gets angry, so you can be angry and not sin, right? Well, God gets angry. God the Father is seen as angry multiple times throughout Scripture. He was angry with his people when he was up on the mountain with Moses, and they were down at the foot of the mountain worshiping a golden calf after he had just delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians, ten plagues and the Red Sea parting. He's angry with his people. In Psalm 18, David cries out to God for deliverance, And you get one of the most amazingly frightening displays of the anger of the Lord for about 10 verses or so. Go read it sometime. Psalm 18. When I want to renew my fear of the Lord, I go read Psalm 18. He's angry. 
He's angry because he's defending his man. He's defending the one he loves. God gets angry. The Bible talks about God's wrath, which is just God's anger acted out. That's what God, God's anger is. God's anger against sin put into action is his wrath. God's wrath is his anger against sin acted out. And this wrath, this wrath he poured out on his own son. He poured it out on Jesus. His anger and wrath for the sins of the whole world poured out on Jesus dying on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't just suffering physically. He wasn't just being tortured to death physically. He was experiencing the spiritual agony of receiving, of bearing the full force of the wrath of God for the sins of the world. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for us. And he did that so that you wouldn't have to experience God's anger and wrath in eternity. We all have a choice before us. Do you want to pay for your own sins? Or do you want to let Jesus pay for them for you? Do you want to experience God's wrath and anger in all eternity? Or will you take on Christ as your substitute, as your Savior, as your Lord, and have his sacrifice, his bearing that full force of God's wrath be attributed to you so that you will have your debt paid in full. Jesus takes the anger of the Father upon himself so that all who trust in him can escape anger. Not just anger in our personal lives, but the anger of God himself, the righteous anger of God himself. We're going to spend a few moments right now in prayer. During this time of prayer each week after we hear from God's word, we ask that you respond individually, every single one of you. We ask that you respond in prayer to God. That's why we give this time. There are those who might need to respond to God's word publicly, but all of us need to respond to God's word privately, personally with God. And in in many ways, the the way that God's word has spoken to your heart and convicted your heart might be different than the way it has mine. So let's all respond to God's word in prayer right now for just a few moments. And then we'll come back. We'll have a time of invitation where anyone who needs to respond to God's word publicly can do so. Let's pray.